My name is Justin Zolkowski, and you're listening to Random Babbling, Confessions of a Christian Libertarian. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening today. I feel like I need to address the current situation in Las Vegas and in Spain, and uh, I will be doing so under the broad topic of guns. A few things I don't want to do. First thing is I don't want this to be uh, discussed out of spite or anger. I know this could be a very heated issue no matter what side you're on, but I want it to be done out of love. Try to keep my emotions under control and uh, just try to stick to the facts. I don't want to talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, I think that takes away from the tragedy that has just taken place this week. Hopefully we can agree to disagree, but in the end something is going to happen. Either there will be more gun laws or there won't be more gun laws. And so, hopefully, we can continue to have this discussion in a civil manner. So, let's go over what happened in Las Vegas on October 1st, 2017. We had the worst mass shooting in modern history. when We had 58 dead, 489 wounded. This was done by Stephen Paddock. He used an assault rifle with a bump stock. And uh, what the bump stock does is it's a an extra device you can put inside an assault rifle to make it uh, turn it basically from an automatic, not automatic, to an automatic. And the the motive is unknown. That's what gets a lot of people because usually when you see something of this nature the shooter the perpetrator has a reason he's trying to get a message across he's trying to get a a cause to gain roots he tries to get a point across like I said and the, the this just doesn't make sense This doesn't make sense. All we know is that he transferred a lot of money to his girlfriend who was in the Philippines at the time before he did this and after he was done with his massacre he shot himself. And this is a tragedy not only just because we lost all these innocent people Hundreds traumatized, not just the ones wounded, but the ones who were there, the ones who um, know these victims personally. But there's also tragedy with Paddock. And a lot of people will say that it's, it's good that he shot himself, or, you know, some might even say they wish he got shot by somebody else. But obviously this man was struggling with something. 
He was struggling with something that would make him want to commit such a random act of violence. It's it's tragic that he didn't get help or talk it out beforehand. And so soon after this tragedy, the issue of gun control comes up and this happens a lot when we have event surrounded by gun violence that captures nationwide attention people always want to talk about what role government uh, government has in guns what role guns have in the hands of the ordinary citizen and what the government should do about it. And so they they call for what's called common sense gun control. And the the issue with that statement is we don't know what common sense is. What might be common sense for one person about gun control can totally differ than the next And although this, I never want to take anything away from this tragedy at all. This is a horrific event that happened. But in my mind, it always seems that whenever any other crime is committed, the blame is strictly on the person who committed the crime. But when it comes to gun violence that blame usually shifts from the perpetrator to the actual tool. And the question that always gets brought up is who can and cannot have guns? And so usually the left will say that in some degree, some more extreme than others, but the general consensus on the left overall, and there are obviously a few exceptions, that government should have gun, the guns and they should determine who can and cannot have guns in the hands, who in the ordinary citizenry should have and have not guns. And so I we watched this video. Uh, from a, a guy named Eric July. He's the lead singer for a libertarian metal group called Backwards. He also does uh, some independent hip-hop on YouTube. And he had this video in which he talks about this, and he describes how the left is the one calling for guns and that guns should be put in the hands of government and not ordinary citizen yet they're the ones who also make the no most noise about police brutality uh, the most distaste for our current president and current administration so his his thesis was why would you want government to have control of all the guns if you think 
they are as tyrannical as you say they are. And so, I believe he makes a good point. Um, I'm just going to put it right out there. You don't have to bore to the end. Uh, I am a firm supporter of gun ownership. And um, we'll talk about why. But first, let's read the actual Second Amendment. People like to talk about it. Well, who actually reads it? It says, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And so, what does this mean? Um, Well, first of all, it talks about militia. And so, some people may say, well, it's ta- uh, that, that only def- describes people in the militia. It actually says that a militia is necessary for the security of a free state. So it's not granting rights to the militia. It just says that we need a militia. It states an obvious point. But the right, in the second half of this sentence, goes to the people. talks about the right of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed. And so, why should the people own guns? Uh, Let's go through a few of them. One, recreation. Guns are fun. And, um... I, as an avid gun owner, I own two guns. I own a 40 cal Smith & Wesson, but, um, and I own a 12-gauge shotgun. And, I, you know, I don't go as often as I want to, but I do go to the range, um, and I shoot my guns at the range, uh, and it's fun. But I get fun any other way. I don't need a gun to have fun. So that's not it. And that also uh, involves hunting. You know, I'm not a hunter. I've never been hunting. Um, but the Second Amendment wasn't your right to shoot a deer. Uh, so what I believe and many other people who... Uh, who in favor, are in favor of guns, will say the role of gun ownership in the American citizenry is to protect rights. So in the Declaration of Independence, it's written that you know we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if those rights are being violated whether it's by an individual, an organization, or the government, we have the right to protect our rights. It's a fail-safe. And so someone once read me an article, I forget when and where, but they said the main reason why Japan didn't attack mainland USA during World War II was because of the amount of gun owners 
in the United States. That they would make a bigger army than the army that they had. So that was a huge deterrent. And so the big case study that a lot of pro-gun advocates will use of how gun control doesn't work is Chicago. And so what a lot of people will say about gun control is not only do we have the right to own guns because we want to protect our rights, but also gun control doesn't work. Because what you're doing is you're taking guns away from those who do obey the law and those who don't obey the law are still going to get those guns regardless. And so Vox, V-O-X, wrote an article about Chicago and their gun laws. And the article is pretty progressive. Definitely not a uh, fan of NRA. And it talks about how we should not use Chicago as a case study for failure because there are a lot of um, X factors that aren't covered. And the biggest one that they said was most of the guns that are confiscated are from the state of Indiana. And it's because Indiana has very lax gun laws. Basically, uh, there's no paper trail if one gun is sold to another person, uh, one private party to another. So, I mean, if you were to go to a store... You would have to register, follow the rules, but if you were to buy it from another private person, and this includes gun shows, then there's no paper trail. And also, the state police do not check whether or not you are taking those guns over straight state lines, which has been interpreted as trafficking, which is a federal offense. So that's the the number one reason. And the number two reason is that they're saying more guns lead to more gun violence. Which, you can take that, you can cut that orange any way you want. Um, I can't believe I just said that. Obviously, if there are no guns, there are no gun violence. But, what the article doesn't, really say is that the states with the most gun ownership have the least amount of violence. So I found an article, another article on CBS talks about which states own the most guns percent by percentage. And Alaska has a 61% gun ownership. And when was the last time you heard about something crazy happening in Alaska? Of course, it is Alaska. Nobody lives by each other. It's not as condensed as, let's say, L.A., Chicago, New York. But my overlying philosophy about this is that everyone has a right to defend themselves. And so... The only way you're going to defeat a bad guy with a gun is with a good guy with a gun. It is that simple. And when 
something happens, you need the fastest response. And if you have to wait for the police, it might be too late. And I say that trying to be sensitive and realistic at the same time. We can talk days days and days about you know instances where guns have saved people over harming people but uh, I think I don't think this is necessarily the right time to talk about that maybe it should be talked about but I'm not going to let's talk about Catalonia which is pretty funny because most people didn't know what Catalonia was till this week and that's if they're paying attention to international news so on the same day as the Las Vegas shooting October 1st, 2017, Catalonia, which is an autonomous region in Spain, meaning it operates independently, but it's still part of Spain, held a referendum for independence. It had a 42% turnout, and of those 42% that showed up, 90% 90% wanted to separate. So that's 37, 38% that are of this region of Spain that asked for independence. Now, 42% is not a lot of people who went out to vote. Of course, less than half Americans go out to vote at presidential elections, so... You can take this any way you want. But the issue is that this referendum was considered illegal. It was not considered constitutional. And so the Prime Minister, Marino Rajoy, sent the national police out that day. So while people are trying to go out and vote, to decide whether or not they want to be autonomous from the Spanish national government, the national police are raiding polling places. They're beating people. They're stealing ballot boxes. They're not letting these people practice democracy because they said that this practice of democracy was illegitimate. So, Catalonia was supposed to was scheduled to declare its independence on Monday, but the national government has blocked their parliament's meeting. Unbelievable. Spain is supposed to be a democracy. Spain is part of the European Union. Prides itself, you know, that organization prides itself on democracy, yet when it's own people want to practice democracy, they won't let them. And it's very interesting because Catalonia has a very interesting history. Originally, it was an independent nation in the Iberian Peninsula, which is modern-day Portugal and Spain. But in 1150, Prochenilia, Queen of Aragon, and Ramon Berenguer IV, who was the Count of Barcelona, 
get married. But all their territories stay independent during their dynasty. So from generation and generation from that marriage, all the territories that they once controlled stayed independent from each other. But this changed under King Philip V, who centralized Spanish rule when he won the War of Spanish Succession. During this war, he gained Valencia in 1707. He defeated Catalonia in 1714. And in 1715, he took the Spanish islands, you know, the Canaries, places like that. So, from generation to generation of the Spanish kings, the Catalan people had to speak Spanish. They weren't allowed to speak Catalan, their native tongue, which is interesting because supposedly Catalan is ranked ninth of spoken languages in the EU. And the EU does not recognize it of the 24 languages that it recognizes. You want to talk about disenfranchised, this is it. They enforced these laws under the Catalan people until 1931. And the region of Catalonia established a national Catalan government. This was until 1938. Barely seven years when Generalissimo Franco ended this with the Battle of Ebro when he killed 3,500 people and forcing many others into exile. Catalonia did not gain their independence, or some independence I should say, until 1977. And in 2010... There are some talks about secession. Well, in the United States, we would call secession. Basically, Catalan people becoming independent. But their constitutional court said that the 2006 autonomy statute does not grant them independence. They're autonomous, but not independent. Basically, they can rule themselves, but... They still got to pay to Spain. And that's what it is. It's not... There's no love between Spain and Catalan. Spain wants the money. That's why they won't let them go. This is what the... You know, a lot of these European countries were going bankrupt. Spain makes a... In Spain. And in Spain. Spain's not... Spain was going bankrupt too. And Catalonia has the city of Barcelona. It's its capital. Barcelona generates a lot of income. They also had one of the best soccer teams in the whole world. Think Spain wants to give that up? Of course not. Which makes me mad about that. My next point is because the Catalan people were never considered Spanish. And to be honest with you, I don't know how many of you know this, but I actually am of Catalan descent. My great-grandfather, Augustin Canute, immigrated to the United States after World War I. He was Catalan. He was not Spanish. He was a Spanish citizen, or I was at one point a Spanish citizen, 
but he was never Spanish. He never considered himself Spanish, and I'm pretty sure the Spanish people never considered him Spanish either. So, you have a people group with their own language, their own custom, their own culture, their own laws, but they're not allowed to be independent. So, let's tie these two subjects together. Gun control and the crisis in Spain could have legal gun ownership been a deterrent of this police brutality and I'm inclined to say yes I think that the Catalan people had a right to defend themselves if you see some of these videos go to CNN or something just google it google google this stuff because the police they sent in what was they called the National Guard, the National Police. And they just terrorize these people. Kick people while they're down, beat them, and these people are unarmed. They're sitting ducks. And had they had guns, I'm pretty sure the police would have approached it a lot differently. And so I read this article on fee.org about this issue this very subject about gun ownership in Spain and according to this article the gun laws are very strict civilian civilian firearms licenses are restricted to cases of extreme necessity if the government finds genuine reason so you if you're a Spanish citizen do not have the right to determine whether your situation is of extreme necessity, the government has to find a genuine reason why you consider your case of extreme necessity. Why does the government need to legitimize my reason to own a gun? I, I, I don't understand that because only I know my situation well enough to determine what is needed and not. Let's move on. So after you find genuine reason, there are background checks, medical exams, and license restriction. And these further restrict access to gun ownership. Not only that, licenses are granted individually by caliber and model with automatic weapons strictly forbidden to civilians. Now, I'm not surprised about that automatic not being available to the civilians because that's pretty much the case here in the United States. But not only do you have to get a license, you have to get a license for every gun. Every single gun you own, you have to get a license for. Now, I have a handgun safety card from the state of California, which I find ridiculous because... Now I'm basically I'm on a list. The government knows what guns I have. They do. Do I follow the law? Yeah, because I am a law-abiding citizen. So I follow the rules. Here's the one that really gets me, and it's the police can demand a citizen to produce a firearm at any time for inspection or confiscation. Basically, the police comes up 
to you. They know you have a gun. There are very few people that own guns over there in Spain. Spanish police come up to you, say, give me your gun. You have to give it to them. This is totally counterintuitive to the reason why people own firearms. They own them to not be bullied, especially by the government. This is the, you know, they call guns the great equalizer for this very reason. So let's just see what the Bible has to say. So there's two pieces of scripture that I think either side of this debate will use. And I'm actually going to flip them both on their heads. So the first one, which would be quoted by the pacifists, is Matthew 5, 38 through 40. And this is in the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Sounds very pacifist, sounds very peaceful. The one used by a lot of gun proponents is Luke twenty two thirty five through thirty eight. And Jesus said to him, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They, that's the disciples, said nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has the money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For that was written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said, It is enough. So, these two passages of scripture seem to be very different. And they can be construed to either side of the gun control debate. And so let's break one down at a time. So, turn the other cheek. What's that about? Well, that's about revenge. So, when Jesus was talking about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, basically what it meant in the Old Testament, well, that wasn't really said in the Old Testament. Basically, the punishment needed to fit the crime. That was the law in the Old Testament, the Torah, law of the Israelites. And so, but what people would do was they would take that idea, the punishment fit the crime, and they would apply that to revenge. Basically, he did this to me, so I'm going to do something to him that's just as bad. Revenge and justice are two different things. Justice is through a system where you have an impartial person of authority make a judgment 
to rectify what happened. Vengeance is getting even. Does not wait for the government or the third person to intervene. The person who is wrong to reacts. And vengeance is not biblical. As a matter of fact, in Romans 12.9, Paul writes that vengeance belongs to God. And we are not God. We don't have the right to go after people. That's the ultimate authority on that issue. So, so from what I've read, it seems like Jesus is talking, you know, uh, he's talking figuratively. The slap that he talks about is a backhand slap. So, in that culture, they are predominantly right-handed. So, if... Actually, they were right-handed because left-handed was seen as less than. So, when they would slap you, they would backhand you as a sign, as a sign of disrespect. So, when you turn the other cheek, it would make them impossible to slap you with that backhand. Because they would still have to use their right so what Jesus is talking about, he is talking about love. He's talking about loving your enemies. But he's not talking about just being a sitting duck. Well, what about the other passages of Scripture? What about the Luke 22 passage? And there's two theories on that. And actually, none of them have to do with being able to own a weapon, oddly enough. There's two ideas. The first one was to fulfill Scripture. Jesus even says that he has to fulfill scripture. And he's uh, quoting Isaiah 53.12 when he says, And he was numbered with the transgressors. And so when they say, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Even the most conservative of commentators that I've read would even say, Has nothing to do with Jesus giving his disciples uh, permission to have a weapon for self-defense. Now, I'm talking about specifically just this passage. What he's talking about is fulfilling scripture. Basically, giving the government, the Jewish leaders in the Roman government, enough evidence to make Jesus a criminal. Basically, Jesus got charged with possession. As a matter of fact, it looks more like a gang because he's got money and weapons. Not much has changed. So, so the first idea is that he was to fulfill scripture by having those swords on him. The second is a figurative. Basically, what Jesus is saying is that after he's gone, that the disciples are going to are going to go through a lot more persecution and a, more, a lot more trial and tribulation than they did when they were with walking with him. And so the sword is figurative because they have the power of the gospel. So the power of the gospel enables the disciples to go and confront this danger that they're about to experience head on. 
And so the sword that he's talking about isn't a sword of self-defense. It's a sword of power, figurative, that these disciples can do the work that they're supposed to do. So you have these scriptures that are being used to support either side, and they really don't say what people think they say. So the question is, is it biblical to own a gun? And my short one-word answer, I don't have a short one-word answer, to be honest, because I don't know. I don't know if it's biblical to own a gun, but I am a firm gun supporter, and that's because I value human life. Now, what's odd is both sides do agree on this issue. They both agree that life has value. Which is just so interesting because they're both so passionate about the actual physical material itself. But both of them really agree on the same thing. They're just going two different ways about it and they don't really realize that. And so... So one side says we have to preserve life by not having instruments of destruction. The other side says I value life. I value the other life. So I will protect it with this force. And so for me, as a husband, and hopefully one day as a father, I want to protect life. I want to protect things that are precious to me gifts that God has given me and as the man as the leader as the protector of the house I'd rather err on the side of doing what I can to be protective but I understand that people aren't comfortable with that and that's fine at the end of the day you And only you can make that decision, whether or not you own a gun, whether or not you choose to express that right. My thing is, is if you choose not to have to participate in that right, I respect your decision. But don't infringe on me when I, especially since I haven't done anything, I follow the law. I am a responsible gun owner. I don't do things that are stupid with them. I do plenty of stupid stuff, but that's beside the point. Don't do stupid things with guns. And so when people talk about gun control, it makes people like me a little um, weary because we want to be good law-abiding citizens. But as soon as you make a new law, you automatically make new criminals. I don't want to be a criminal. I want to be a good person. So why make a law that would make me a criminal almost overnight? Again, I believe in that we can agree to disagree. Um, this might be out of order. I probably should have talked about this earlier, but I was... Was... 
a member of the NRA. I paid my membership dues, and I stopped paying them. I forget why. There was no specific reason why I stopped, but I was planning on renewing my membership in 2016 until a man named Philandro Castile gets pulled over by a police, tells that police officer that he has a gun, he's compliant, legal, licensed gun-carrying owner, and the cop freaks out and shoots him in front of his girlfriend and kid. And the NRA said absolutely nothing. A lot of people were speculating whether this was a black or white issue, whether the NRA had a problem with him because of him being black, and I don't think, I don't know. But that's not why I didn't renew my membership. My I didn't renew my membership because the very organization that says that government should not have control over my right to own a gun did not protect the person who legally did everything to, he could to prevent the situation and he still died. Nothing was said about it. Which leads me to believe that the NRA is more pro-government than they want us to believe. So I didn't renew my membership. I don't know if I ever will. Not looking good. But going back to the value of life conversation. And I want to end with this, with a little discussion about this. We have to remember a gun is a gun. It's very powerful. As a matter of fact, when I do go shooting, I have a very, I would consider a healthy fear of the situation. You walk in, even though you have your earmuffs on, you can still hear these loud thuds to bang, bang all around you and it's I'll admit it's I wouldn't say traumatizing but it kind of freaks you out a little bit because anything can happen but you also feel safe because not only do you have a gun but everyone around you has a gun too so if anyone gets crazy situation can get handled fairly quickly But nobody wants that to happen. Nobody wants to use a gun. That's the thing. No one who owns a gun that I know of wants to use it. It's almost a very, although it's a, they proudly own their guns. They like their guns. Maybe like to clean it. Can be very therapeutic. Maybe go to the range. It's very. It's a nice day. It's fun. Nobody actually wants to use the gun for what's intended for. That's because there's intrinsic value of life. And so the issue isn't the gun itself. Because a gun is just a gun. It's an inanimate object. It doesn't do anything unless someone has it and is operating it. It doesn't have a personality. It's not good. It's not evil. It is what it is. It's a piece of metal. But it's what happens... When the wrong or right person has that piece of metal in their hands. And so when you have a gun and you holding a and you're holding a gun, 
that now is something that needs to be in your mind. You always need to be responsible. And the value of human life is priceless. And so that's the issue we really need to be tackling. It's not whether or not guns should be allowed or not. It's what are what is the value of human life? Do you value human life like you say you do? Or is it cheap? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Right now, I'll be posting the sound file and script on my blog. Check it out at justin-ski.blogspot.com. I hope to hear from you, and God bless.